This episode is brought to you by Bureau of Medical Economics, medical account specialists servicing the account collection needs of the medical community for nearly 70 years right here in Arizona. Hello, this is Dr. May Moti, a pediatrician and urgent care physician who has been in practice in the greater Phoenix area and Scottsdale since 1991. I have been a member of Maricopa County Medical Society since 2001 and I'm the immediate past president for Maricopa County Medical Society. I'm a clinical associate professor at University of Arizona College of Medicine, and I welcome you to the Arizona Physician Podcast. There's no guarantee of avoiding fraud, but the stronger your internal controls, the lower your risk. And so in my personal experience, the majority of frauds I've seen did not need to be particularly clever because the opportunity was readily available. The controls were weak. Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. As part of our ongoing service to members, today we're interviewing Lisa Lombard, CPA, CGFM, who has been in public accounting for over 35 years with 10 years serving small businesses and 25 of those years as the head of Lombard & Associates, PLLC an auditing firm that specialized in non-for-profit and governmental audits. Through her current firm, Lombard Consulting, LLC, she serves as a not-for-profit consultant and leadership trainer. Lisa received the Executive Leadership Certification from the ASU Lodestar Center for Philanthropy and Nonprofit Innovation and serves on multiple boards and committees, including the Arizona State Board of Accountancy, Arizona Society of CPAs, ValleyWise Health, and the Alliance of Arizona Nonprofits. Lisa is a frequent speaker at industry conferences and passionate about the importance and success of non-for-profit organizations. Lisa Lombard, welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. Thank you, John. I appreciate you inviting me, and I'm really excited about what the Maricopa County Medical Society is doing for its members at this critical juncture. Well, thank you very much. It's an awful lot going on right now, and we value your time. I think What you can share with listeners today is valuable for physicians uh, throughout the year. And before we get into these questions, I wanted to ask you about your background. And when I listed CPA and CGFM, I think a lot of people are familiar with Certified Public Accountant. But what does CGFM stand for and, and why is that important? What kind of training do you go through to be a CGFM certified? That is Certified Government Financial Manager, and I took that additional certification because I was serving government, um, doing government audits, uh, and a lot of not-for-profit organizations do receive government funding, and they are required to have special government audits under the Single Audit Act, which includes both financial and compliance components. (laughs) Well, Lisa, thank you again for your time. Uh, We wanted to dig into why good accounting practices matter to physicians, um, and and let's highlight especially those in the private practice and now. Well, I expect that some physicians in private practice have a pretty general idea in their head of what their financial position is, you know, where they stand. But in times like these with so many uncertainties, they really need to be sure so they can make proper responses to the current economic conditions. Um, And others may be focused, you know, totally on patient care aspect and and just hoping or assuming their finances are okay. Also, another another issue is if their experience practice interruptions 
which I know many of them have with this COVID-19 issues, they need to have accurate accounting numbers accessible to them quickly to apply for the loans and other assistance and for the loan forgiveness program. So gooding accounting practices matter for a variety of reasons. Uh, for example, what kinds of problems can physicians avoid by handling their accounting effectively? Well, definitely, um, they don't want to be underestimating their net income and then not making enough in estimated income tax payments or utilizing their tax strategies in time, because I'm sure as a lot of doctors know, tax strategies usually have a time period in which they have to be completed. So you need to know where you stand. The other one is you definitely don't want to overestimate your income and end up spending too much and putting yourself in a bind, uh, especially if you suddenly have a slowdown in your practice because of the COVID issues. Another one is you definitely don't want to underbill or not be billing timely for your services. So you want to make sure you're keeping up with that so that your cash flow is going. You don't want to be overpaying accidentally for goods and services purchased. You don't want to duplicate pay invoices or something like that. And certainly, um, if the accounting is not being handled effectively, you're more vulnerable uh, to internal or external fraud, which is often common in a small office operation. The other thing is, um, nowadays, a lot of doctors are doing uh, partnerships, and you want to make sure your accounting's up to date for that, because you want to make sure that all of the partners have access to valid information. Exactly. Some of the listeners who have, if they've done accounting for their practices in the past, they may have come across the term internal controls. Could you please explain internal controls and how they would apply to a medical practice? Excellent question. Internal controls are those things that you do to ensure you're accomplishing what you intended to accomplish. So for a physician's medical practices, it could include, you know, they want to be taking care of their patients in an effective, efficient, and compassionate manner. They want to be complying with applicable laws and regulations, especially, you know, with patient confidentiality and medical records keeping and retention. I know they have a lot of requirements in that area. Um, they definitely want to be complying with agreements, such as with Medicare, with insurance providers. Like I mentioned earlier, they want to make sure they're doing their billings timely so they can keep their cash flow going, and they want to be collecting those billings timely as well. And nowadays, it's really critical compliance with payroll and unemployment requirements. Uh, I had a client who didn't realize that his accountant that he had hired was not making the payroll tax deposits in a timely manner, and in fact had shoved some checks in a desk somewhere and never submitted them. Wow. And they ended up owing $350,000 in back uh, taxes and penalties. And so that's when they called us in. And also, um, you want to make sure you're paying your bills timely and accurately and safeguarding assets. Uh, equipment's obvious, but nowadays your data files are extremely critical as an asset. And of course, your operating funds. And then finally, you want to make sure you're making a profit. So how do you break down in internal controls? What are the different components of them? So internal controls, and, and that's a good question because it's not just the procedures. So internal controls include control environment. That means setting the tone at the top. You know, what does the leader say has to be done? Risk assessment is another component. That's evaluating your vulnerability and what are your risk areas. And then control activities are the procedures that you put in place. And then another key component is monitoring. 
once you have procedures in place, you want to make sure that you're going back and doing periodic reviews to make sure that those controls that you put in place are indeed working. That's great. Lisa, we'll have one more question and then go to break here. But at the Maricopa County Medical Society, we've heard from a lot of members and other non-member physicians seeking guidance on who in the office should be handling their accounting practices and the process, who's internally uh, doing those controls, because the physicians often want to be practicing medicine. If it's a very small firm uh, practice, then that physician probably has to be involved. But could you talk with everyone about internal controls and, and segregation of duties within a practice? Okay, good question. The concept of internal controls is that no one person controls every aspect of a transaction or a financial event. So duties should be divided. You've got authorization, um, that's like requiring sign-offs and approvals by the doctor, and processing and recording, that's a separate function, making payments, receiving funds, reviews and auditing, and custodial functions in handling related assets. So when we go into um, a small client, we would do a flow chart. And if you see the same person is opening the mail, depositing the receipts, doing the bank reconciliation, and you know paying the bills, well then obviously they have control over that entire process and could do something inappropriate with it. And sadly, small medical practices are particularly vulnerable to fraud because often they do have one person over multiple functions. And some of the frauds I've seen over the years a lot of them have related to credit card use, misuse of a card for an employee's personal purchases. And I had one case that was actually for a medical uh, society, not this one, and it was years ago, in which the manager had a credit card and started putting her Starbucks on. And she put her beauty salon on. Then she'd fill up with gas with the company card. And then she'd put on some lunches out. And then she started building and building. It got to be over $150,000 worth of fraudulent yeah. charges on that credit card. Yeah. The other thing I've seen is creation and payment of bills to like a fake company that was set up by a relative for services that were never provided. And another key area, a lot of times, you know, in a smaller practice, you may have family members and family members may get a little casual or have entitlement feeling and start paying their personal bills directly out of the business account. And this is something you don't ever want to mix your personal and your business funds. So, you know, take a paycheck or a draw and then pay your personal bills. Lisa, this is such helpful information to share with the physicians and listeners. Thank you. Folks, you've been listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast. When we come back, we'll speak with Lisa about why internal controls are important and how a physician might find an outside CPA for consulting. We'll be right back. Bureau of Medical Economics has been servicing the account collection needs of the medical community since 1951, with nearly 70 years of experience in this industry and proven results. We proudly consider our clients, your practice, an invaluable business partner. There is no obligation and no upfront cost. Please give us a call at 602-252-3469 for more information. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. I'm your host, John McElligot. Our guest today is Lisa Lombard, a certified public accountant. Lisa, I wanted to ask you why internal controls are important. 
Well, I think we touched on some of that about the fraud situation, but definitely protecting your assets and assets in include equipment, your operating, your cash, and your ability to obtain financing. The other is achieving your business goals and certainly with a medical practice, protecting confidential information is a big factor and compliance with laws and regulations. And also upholding the public trust. I mean, you really don't want to be making the newspapers because of a fraud case. Accurate recording for your payroll and your other taxes. As I mentioned before, if the taxes aren't being done properly, you can get behind on that and penalties do uh, multiply. And right now, a big, big factor is the CARES Act program. You're, um, for the applications, and I understand, you know, they're rolling, going to be possibly rolling out another one, and for reporting. So, that, you know, you've got the Paycheck Protection Program, you've got the Emergency Injury Disaster Loan Programs, uh, you've got Small Business Debt Relief Program, and then also for supporting your Paycheck Program Loan Forgiveness Calculations. Because remember, the bank has to approve your, or your lending institution has to approve your forgiveness. And so you need to have documentation. And you don't want to wait till the end of the year to pull up all of this together because there are time restrictions on these. Another example is a divorce case. And this one I personally lived through. Uh, I was married to a dentist for a number of years and his ex-wife sued us to increase the child support. Now the financial information, I summarized it, but what I summarized were reports that were prepared by his outside CPA and they were independent. So that means we actually, I got questioned about that on, when I was on the stand, the judge, you know, said, hey, did you prepare these returns? And I said, right. no, I did not. Um, it was not allowed because it was a related party and they were prepared independently. So you and, had that firewall between the case where you were involved and someone else externally. Exactly. And so we won the case because she had the thought that he had been, you know, gradually increasing in revenues. And in fact, revenues had gone down. And if memory serves me correctly, we actually got a reduction. So the other one is if you don't retain appropriate records and you can't support your billings during an audit, say if you, you're billing Medicare or something like that, you can be charged with fraudulently billing a governmental agency and, and that's a criminal offense and you certainly don't want to have that happen accidentally. So another consideration to keep in mind you know, yes, you could hire 10 people to have wonderful segregation of duties, but you'd never want the cost of your control to exceed the benefit that you're deriving from it. Um, so there are ways around that. Lisa, how would that apply to a very small practice? Are you thinking about the cost of control to add an additional person on staff to manage to have these uh, the separation of duties? Would that, are you thinking that the cost of staffing not to outweigh the benefit derived from having those separation of duties? Correct. And there are some, and we're going to, we're going to cover that a little bit later about, you know, how you can get around that. Okay. But one of the things I want to warn them about is there's no guarantee of avoiding fraud, but the stronger your internal controls, the lower your risk. And so in my personal experience, the majority of frauds I've seen did not need to be particularly clever because the opportunity was readily available. The controls were weak. Right. 
And maybe listeners see value in following these standard operating procedures and strong internal controls, but they don't have the relevant experience or they don't have enough volume to justify hiring a full-time bookkeeper. What are the options for physicians to outsource accounting or bookkeeping? Excellent question, because outsourcing is very definitely one of their options. And there are accounting companies that offer services on an hourly or a contractual basis. Um, They can include keeping your books online for you. Obviously, you have to give them access to your raw data. Or you can have someone come in monthly on site uh, and do your bank reconciliations, your adjusting journal entries, generate and review the monthly reports with you. And this is an option that I actually used when I had my firm. Because, yeah, I had a firm full of CPAs and certainly I could have had them do it, but that would have breached confidentiality. So I couldn't do that. couldn't utilize them for that. I had two staff people. I tried to segregate the duties between the two of them. And then also I did final signatures and final reviews on billings and on the accounts payable list. And also then at month end, I had an outside accountant come in and she would go over, do the bank reconciliation, and she would generate the monthly reports with me, my my balance sheet and my statement of revenues and expenses, and I would review them with her. And then if there were questions, she would go back and investigate. So because she was doing the bank reconciliation, she was not part of the reporting receipts or disbursements process that separated it. And then with my reviews and sign-offs on other things, that gave more to the controls as well. Okay. So I want to ask you uh, in just a bit where physicians can find CPAs, but you just mentioned accounting companies. Where can people go to find an accountant, some outsourced accountant to do their bookkeeping or accounting? Well, you certainly can do the internet and, um, I was actually thinking it might be nice to work with Vitalist Foundation and see if we can develop a listing for organizations. But as a member of the Arizona Society of CPAs, I can tell you that when we sign up um, as a member, we put down what our area of service is. And this information is available to the public on the ASCPA website. So the Arizona Society of CPAs website is pretty easy to follow to find a CPA. However, um, Heidi uh, was able to give me a shortcut link, which is www.ascpa.com forward slash find a CPA. So from there, what the physicians can do is it, a list will pop up and it'll ask you some questions. You can select, you know, how far away do you want this person to be and the industry. And so if you click on the healthcare industry, the firms that provide those services will be pulled up and you can select from there and interview them. That's great. And based on your experience, it is valuable, you're saying, to find somebody who has experience in the healthcare industry as opposed to construction or some other industry that's not as relevant to physicians. Absolutely, because um, there are a lot of counting differences between um, manufacturing, construction, and service industry, and the physicians are a service industry. And a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of CPAs do specialize and have a number of clients for that particular area, which really helps, I think, make them a little more efficient and a little more valuable to 
the client. And Lisa, final question for you. Um, you have your own consulting company. If anyone is in the nonprofit area or is looking for leadership training, how can they contact you? You can certainly go on. Um, I pop up with the Arizona Society of CPAs. I'm on LinkedIn. And you can go to my website, which is www.lombardconsulting.com. Excellent. Lisa Lombard, certified public accountant and leader of Lombard Consulting LLC, serving a non-for-profit industry and a leadership trainer. She's been in the Valley for a long time. She's been in public accounting for over 35 years, 10 years serving small businesses, in 25 of those years, leading her own firm, Lombard & Associates. Lisa Lombard, thanks for being on the Arizona Physician Podcast. Thank you, John, for the opportunity. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong, collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast. 